0: move into our time where we approach the word that leads us to the table. You can bring that music down, Josh. Thanks. Um, and, uh, and so what I'd love to do is just open us with a moment of prayer. And uh, I know it's a little windy from time to time, so if my mic goes crazy, just bear with me and uh, we'll get into it. So would you join me? Let's pray. God, we become aware of your presence here. Beautiful day we feel the Sun we see beauty and creation all around us and we are reminded that you are still creating that because you are a creator you will finish what you started in our lives and in this world thank you Jesus you are the Savior of the world and so the world will be saved Amen. All right, well, it is good to see you all. This is the third week of the season of Lent. And so it's our first week back together though. So there were these two weeks where I know some of you have not been journeying with us in our digital gatherings. And so what I'd like to do is spend a couple of minutes here and just bring you up to speed. If this is your first Sunday where you are entering into Lent Then I'll bring you up to speed with what we've been talking about, and then we'll turn our attention to the theme that's going to guide us through the remainder of this Lent season. And so over the last few weeks, we have been talking about this idea of wilderness in our lives, wilderness, Uh, that God has a promised place for us both for our world and for each of us individually, for our community and for uh, what's happening in our own hearts. God has a promised place of healing, of increased wholeness, a deliverance into a new sort of life. But as it was for the Israelites, if you remember the Exodus story, and as it was for Jesus, as he was drawn into the wilderness, wilderness seasons of life come for all of us before we find our way into that new season of freedom, of increased wholeness, of a new shift into a a new way of being in life. And so what we've been talking about is this idea that the wilderness comes first. The the consistent pattern in Scripture is something along these lines, that there is belovedness that is spoken over us, and then there is wilderness, and then eventually there is a wholeness or an integration into a new way of being in life. It's actually like the living into the belovedness that was spoken way back there in the journey, but the wilderness is always uh, that in-between time. It comes before we find that fullness of integration. And so, if that's the consistent pattern of scripture, then the consistent challenge of the wilderness is that when we are in those in between times, the wilderness is the place of the to, to heed lesser voices, to, to live out of lesser loves. And when we are wandering through the deserts of life and God seems to have disappeared into the cloud, uh, the pillar of cloud, it can feel like we are all alone. And when it feels like we are all alone, there comes the pressure to take care of ourselves because who else is going to? I feel like I'm at stake. And when I feel like I'm at stake, I feel like I have got to prove myself. I have got to provide for myself. I have got to uh, to to position myself for life. And so when we're aimless, our spiritual lives can become like the wild west where it's like, I am all on my own out here and we can quickly forget the belovedness that is spoken over us and live in a lesser blessing instead. But the wilderness is also a rite of passage. We need God in fresh ways there and therefore we need God in fresh ways there. And so this year, as we walk through the wilderness of Lent that leads to a rebirth at Easter, I want to invite us to become aware of what God's invitation is and what God's work is for each of us inside our own hidden parts. Most of us live relatively stable lives. This is not necessarily true of all of our neighbors, but for most of us in our church community, we're not wondering where our next meal comes from. We're not wondering where our job's gonna come from. We live these relatively stable lives, and yet, if we're not careful, we can get so deep into those lives, the daily routine of them, that we can become disconnected from what is rumbling below the surface of our lives. And if you're anything like me, sometimes I'm just going through the stuff of life and yet there is this nagging feeling that something is happening below and I'm not quite in touch with it. There's something deeper happening within. Uh, The great Larry Crabb passed away this last week, and so in honor of Larry and in a shout out to my mother-in-law who's here, whose uh, life was really deeply shaped by Larry Crabb's life, we're going to begin today with a a quote from Crabb. He says this, he says, most of us live with a vague fear. Most of us live with a vague fear that something is happening within us, which if we faced it, would ruin whatever comfort we enjoy. If we really faced what was going on inside, it would ruin the comfort we enjoy. The attitude seems to be however things are, good or bad, they could be worse, so don't go poking around the surface of life, right? And so we end up becoming strangers to our own hearts, yet it's in the deeper chambers of our hearts where God does his most meaningful transformational work. And so over the next few weeks, we're gonna rummage around inside our hearts. We're gonna see what we can find there and look for where we might need resurrection that can come afresh as we enter the Easter season. All right, let's get into that today. What we're gonna do is be guided today by four scriptures, that are from the lectionary in the season of Lent. The lectionary is a tool we rely on that guides us through the whole story of scripture. And there's some verses we haven't had a chance to talk about yet. So we're gonna talk about those this morning. We're gonna go through a bit of a tour de force that will lead us through uh, our, our time this morning and, uh, and and help us explore this idea of the new heart. So let's do our first scripture reading. And I don't remember who has our first scripture reading. Dave Ake has it. Dave's gonna come up to this mic. He's gonna guide us in the scripture. Mark 1 9 through 15, Jesus was baptized, the heavens were torn apart, and a voice from there said, You are my son, the beloved. And the spirit immediately drove Jesus out into the wilderness. Then Jesus came proclaiming the good news of God and saying, Now is the time. Here comes God's kingdom. Change your hearts and lives and trust this good news. Thanks, Dave. all right so jesus emerges out of the wilderness his own time in the wilderness and if we still find ourselves in the wilderness we may do well to listen to what he has to say on the other side of it the first words that he says upon arriving out of the wilderness and into a newness of life is, he says now's the time here comes god's kingdom change your hearts and lives and trust this good news. And so there's this idea that if you want to change your life, that's going to involve changing your heart. And if you want to change your heart, that's going to involve believing something different, believing a better good news than the good news you have, or the bad news that you have been living out of before. And so there's this invitation Because it is possible to hear heaven-splitting, life-changing good news, say yes to it mentally, and have nothing change on the inside of our hearts. And if we're not careful, that can become our lived reality, affirming good news in our minds, but having it not invade what's going on in the depths of our hearts. And so, if you've ever found yourself wondering, like, is there more to this? And what would it look like for my life to actually change is it realistic that i might taste the life that is really life that i read about in scripture could the real living presence of jesus actually break into my daily reality in any kind of meaningful way those are some of the questions we're going to be asking and ultimately then it leads us to a different question which is this is god honest is god actually honest does he mean the things he said Was Jesus serious about the things that he said? And if he was, how might I go from believing in God to believing God about things of my own heart? So now's the time. There's good news coming. Let's go to our second scripture reading. It's going to come out of Psalm 51. This is the story we read earlier or that that Holly led us in as David played. We're going to re-listen to those words from Psalm 51. Go ahead, James. But still, you long to enthrone truth throughout my being. Yes, you want truth in my hidden heart. In unseen places deep within me, you are teaching me wisdom. Thank you. So God longs to enthrone truth in your heart. And just for a moment, I'm going to invite you to just close your eyes. And again, just kind of block out whatever distractions, as best as you can, maybe around you. And descend from your mind down the staircase into your heart. And peel back some layers. And enter into your own inner labyrinth as best as you can. And I'm going to ask you to look for where you find something good, truthful, enlivening in your heart. Where do you spot the goodness of God's work in your own heart? And where also do you find yourself living from a lesser truth, a lesser good news? Is there a place where you have come into alignment, come into agreement, with a lesser word spoken over you than the voice that calls you God's beloved child? And now imagine what it may mean if God actually not only was willing, but in fact longs to enthrone truth. The true good news in those chambers that are false. And how might you say a deeper yes to God's desire in you to create a clean heart? to renew a faithful right spirit to restore joy, to give you a life of wisdom. You can bring your eyes back to me now. What we're talking about is the process of what is called spiritual formation. Those are two words we throw around often at the parish. But if they're new words to you, all that that really means is that spiritual formation is the process of us becoming conformed into the image of Jesus for the sake of others. We want to be greater reshaped into the image of God, which is the image we were created in the first place, if you remember way back to the Genesis story. In other words, we're becoming more ourselves, which is to become more like God. And in the process, we then reflect that image of God back out into the world around us. Jesus has a unique, tailored plan for your life to bring you into greater wholeness, vocation, and healing to shape a new creation out of the chaos of your specific life. And I know you know this, but I want you to hear it afresh. Spiritual formation is different than spiritual information. We can have all the spiritual information in the world, give mental assent to it, but that is way, way, way different than spiritual hidden hearts abiding with God. And if we are going to experience any real formation any real change in our life it will be the fruit of setting ourselves up to be acted upon by god having an actual meaningful loving connection with him not by trying to become better people not the fruit of self-improvement instead we say yes to creating space for god and slowly the christ self grows in us that brings us to our third scripture reading so whoever's got the third one Jump on down to that microphone. Mr. Thomas Loving, take it away. John 2, 13 through 17. Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple, he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and the money changers seated at their tables. Making a whip of cords, he drove all of them out of the temple. These things out of here. Take these things out of here stop making my father's house a place of business his disciples remembered that it was written zeal for your house will consume me thanks thomas so jesus says my father's house is to be a house of prayer and not a place of business. And Jesus says, zeal for my Father's house will consume me. And Jesus says, in my Father's house, there are many rooms. And then here comes the curveball. Jesus says, my Father and I will make our house in you. So what does it mean that zeal for the Father's house, which is your hidden heart in some meaningful way, consumes Jesus, that he is so filled with passion to see the Father's house, your heart, restored to its intended purpose, that he will show up there, he'll turn over tables if he needs to, he will make a mess of it in order to restore it back to that which it was intended to be. So your hidden heart is your Father's house, your Father is at home there. The question for the next few weeks is, are we? Are we? actually at home in our own hearts there's two tasks for today the first one is simply this meet your father at his house your father lives in a meaningful way the spirit dwells in a meaningful way in the temple of your own heart meet him there sometimes we run away from the father's house like the prodigal because we're terrified of what we will find there And so could you meet Jesus at a heart level, below the surface, beyond the motions, in your inner depths? That requires space and time, and it's that simple. If we do not give space and time to abiding in the presence of Jesus, we will not be able to get below into the the lower levels of what's happening in our hidden hearts and so instead we'll find ourselves in a wilderness world estranged from our own belovedness and that's not the place jesus has for us to live and so we slow down we find a quiet room we close the door we pray unseen to our father and then our father who sees in secret rewards us and catch that our father sees in secret he already knows the secrets of your heart it's we who often don't know So if he knows, we might as well know as well. We might as well slow down, and then once we slow down and create space, then our second task for today is simply this. Let's go with our father into the dark. Go with our father into the dark. When I was a kid, we watched this movie called Forever Young. Does anybody remember this movie? I think it was Mel Gibson. Okay, this was like a family movie. It scared the living daylights out of me. There's like a guy who's frozen, and like 50 years later, he comes back to life. Guys, the frozen guy was in my closet when I was a kid. I was convinced of it. I knew the frozen guy had taken up residence in my closet. And so I came up with a plan. If he's in my closet, it's possible he could get out of my closet and into the room where I am asleep, trying to fall asleep. This might be why I still can't fall asleep, but that's something for me and my counselor to talk through. And so I developed this plan. To make sure he doesn't get out of the closet, I will scan the perimeter of my room. So laying in bed, I would go like this. (laughs) And then it's possible he escaped that, so I would go like this. (laughs) And just make sure every inch, there's no frozen guy in my room. (laughs) And then my dad would say, I'm not afraid of what's in the room. Let's go into the dark together, right? Because he already knows what belongs there. And so together with my father, we walk into the dark and we face whatever it is that is there and so in the father's house there are many rooms there are many rooms in your heart in my heart there are the ones that are neatly swept and nicely decorated those are the ones we like to spend the time in but there are also the ones full of untamed emotions less than pure motives our unconscious belief structures that are shaping our lives god wants to go into those places too and so at the pace god leaves leads you and with the help and support you need in the form of friends and prayer and counseling would you go with your father into the rooms with the monsters it may seem counterintuitive but that's where freedom is because we find there's no frozen guy in the closet after all and god can then enthrone truth there instead of the lie of what might be lying below the surface if we live pretending like nothing to see there then we're going to actually cut ourselves off from our our own healing, which also cuts the world off from its own healing, because to the degree I am living in fear and I am living in a lack of awareness of what's going on in my heart, to that same degree, I cannot be the person God would have me to be in the world. And so we not only undermine our own flourishing, but the flourishing of the world around us. And so we cultivate self-awareness beneath the veil of daily life. We ask ourselves questions like, why did i say that and why was that so important to me and why does that person always make me feel like this and why did that affirmation make me soar so high why did that criticism devastate me so deeply and what's getting triggered in me right now what's the story i'm telling myself what is the truth and then god can be invited to enthrone truth again in our heart we meet in the darkness Jesus who is the light we meet in the falsehood Jesus who is the truth and we hear him say who told you that that's not true I'm the truth and he invites us into healing he turns over the tables for a while for a while it makes a mess for a while it might get worse but we're getting destabilized enough to actually be changed So our final reading is going to bring us home. Uh, This is our fourth reading from Revelation chapter 3. Stephen's got it. Revelation 3.20. Behold and pay attention, I am standing at the door and knocking. If any of you hear my voice and open the door, then I will come in to visit with you and to share a meal at your table, and you will be with me. Thanks, Stephen. So St. John Chrysostom, who's one of the Orthodox fathers, says this. He says, find the door to your own heart, and you will find it to be the door to the kingdom of God. And so this morning, friends, we come to the door of our own heart, and we listen for the gentle, trustworthy knocking of Jesus on the doors of our hidden hearts. And we practice saying yes, when the still small voice says, can I come in? Can I come in even to that room? Can we share a meal and talk that through together? And he knocks not only on the doors that are Christ-like and light-filled, but he knocks particularly on the doors that are the least like him but he can be trusted there. He can be trusted to open the door marked control, to open the door marked self-reliance, to open the door marked self-protection, to open the door marked unworthiness, to open the door marked unforgiveness. We crack open the door and we meet God there. That's what we're going to be talking about over the next few weeks. going to pass through some rough territory the journey to the christ self goes through the the wild west of the false self it goes through the jungle of the religious version of that false self which is even more insidious we'll talk about all of those things but for now we're going to move into our time of confession and our confession is just going to be 30 seconds of breath prayer this morning and the breath prayer is simply this as you breathe in you say jesus Bring me to the door, and as you breathe out of my own heart, Jesus, bring me to the door of my own heart. Let's take a moment now, and I'll invite you to pray that prayer. Jesus, bring me to the door of my own heart. God we pray help us find our confession the truth which is hidden from our minds the beauty and ugliness we see elsewhere but never see in ourselves the stowaway which has been smuggled into the dark side of the heart lead us into the darkness that we may find what lies concealed and confess it toward the light may you receive the forgiveness the love the mercy the presence of the God who makes his home in you, amen.